I'm very aware that the way I, the story comes across and the way I say it is of someone who saw themselves and their role as something in the background, right? You're somebody who quietly makes this possible while allowing the hero to take their place in the sun. Um, and so for me, it has been a journey of unpacking that because that is how I perceived myself. Hi, I'm Rachita Vora, and you're listening to Failure Files, a podcast by India Development Review, where social change leaders share their stories of failure and the lessons they learned in the process. This season, in a special series we're doing in partnership with The Wellbeing Project, we will be bringing you stories about the intersection of failure and well-being. We will hear from social entrepreneurs, a Dalit rights activist, an Olympic gold medalist, and others about their perspectives on failure and what the road to recovery and resilience looks like. On last week's episode, Vishal Talreja told me about the many failures he experienced as CEO of Dream a Dream, a nonprofit based in Bangalore that helps young people from disadvantaged backgrounds overcome adversity by developing life skills. He opened up about his leadership style, his persistent self-doubt as an ambitious 20-something CEO, he opened up about what burning out felt like to him and what it did to the organization he was leading. Coming up on a decade of leading Dream a Dream, Vishal discovered that he was completely burned out. He bought a bus ticket in Bangalore one day with no destination in mind. Nine hours later, he found himself in Coorg, where he checked into a homestay and slept for seven days straight. He knew something had to change within the organization and that what he had built was somehow very different from the vision he had had starting out. Around this time, when things seemed to have hit rock bottom, Sucheta joined. It was a mess, she told me. But slowly and together, they began to rebuild Dream a Dream. And I got to talk to both of them about what that process looked and felt like. And Sucheta, you joined to look at strategy, but very soon your role became somewhat of a bridge between Vishal and the team. And then there were several steps that I believe you took to get the organization's emotional health, if you will, back up. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. That's how I saw my role as this bridge and building these pathways. Uh, so some of the initial steps I took was to actually separate the day-to-day -day from Vishal, right? Which I just said, let's just separate that out. You don't get involved. Uh, so there was a period of time for a few years where we had a deal. Vishal and I literally had a deal that while he would handle the board and the fundraising and all of that, that he would not talk to the teams directly uh, without me being present or, you know, in a setting where even I was there. Uh, because invariably it would lead to confusion. Either he would be confused about what people are doing or people would be confused about what he's expecting and then you would have to have this big cleanup and all of that. The second was then I, I actually did push him. I pushed Vishal to articulate and give words. What is it that he really wanted? Because it's nice to say, I'm not happy here or I want an organization that you know trusts everybody. But what does that really mean? Right? Like, help us understand it. Give us a sense of what that is. So just take those half-formed ideas in his head and help us convert it into policies, practices, 
um, role definition. So kind of helping myself understand him and helping him convert that into things that are more tangible. Uh, and also asking him to articulate what are the non-negotiables that led to his burnout? What is the culture that he needs that he can be proud of? So that's kind of what, you know, were the first few years as I came, uh, that how do we build that culture that he also aspires to, everybody can feel proud of, and how the team could relate their day-to-day roles towards this big vision. Uh, so these were at the person-to-person level, uh, but there were certain organizational steps also we took. Um, for example, the strategy itself. Uh, when I came in, Vishal had this in the next three years, we'll work with two, two like 40,000 children. At that time, we were working with 3,000. And I'm like, how do you go from 3,000 to 2, like 40,000 in three years? Right? And he said, I don't know, but we just have to do it. Uh, and I realized that's where he's operating. He's again, you know, he's driven, he's passionate. He's almost feels guilty that we are not uh, impacting more children. So again, there was this whole realignment. Where is the team at? What can we realistically do while managing Vishal's guilt? And, you know, we will do this. It's just not in the next three years. Uh, so managing that at the strategy level. Uh, we also rejigged the entire uh, culture. Uh, we put in something called the people philosophy. So we have something called the people philosophy at Dream and Dream. It's really a set of guiding values, a set of principles about how we want to operate as a team uh, that builds the culture of trust, accountability, dignity amongst us. And more importantly, is a role model for the world that we want to see outside. Because that's what I heard from Vishal, that children should be able to see us and see a microcosm of the world that we are saying we want to offer. So what does that look like? So the values we had defined then was around trust, that we'll all trust each other and we trust every person to make the best decisions for the organization. Accountability, that every person is doing this because they want to be here. So they take accountability for their role and they are committed to contributing more and taking on more responsibilities as they grow and evolve in the organization. And dignity that every person will be treated with equal dignity, irrespective of what their role is or, you know, where they are in the hierarchy, so to say, because there was still a hierarchy. So that's, you know, the set of values. And that then translated into policies. For example, we we used to have this attendance register. Everybody had to come and sign. And if you were late, that was tracked. We let go of that. There was no attendance register, you know. It was trust about when you come in, you just put in the, get the work done. And there's a broad guideline around the number of hours. Uh, we put in casual, like casual leaves. We have even today, uh, it's unlimited casual leave, which basically means if you need to take a day off, you don't have to apply for it. There's no formal process. You can just say, I need to take a day off. And it's not counted. There's no fixed number of uh, these days off that you can take. Um, so again, an indication towards trust. And the big piece was our performance management. Because this is where I found that most people would be upset because till then, Every time we did our performance appraisals in March, we would go through this whole process. Everybody's done their reflections. The managers have given their feedback, everything. And then it'll come to Vishal and then Vishal would decide who would actually get promoted, who would get the bonuses. And it used to lead to, you know, chaos and mess and just so much anger. And he had his own logic for decision-making, which nobody really understood. So we let that whole thing go. And even today, we have a self-reflection-based appraisal system or a performance management system where each person decides on their own whether they are ready to move or not to the next level. And if you feel you're ready, you can take feedback from your peers, from your managers, but it's your decision. And we have really created that environment that if you make that decision, sometimes we need to create roles for you. I mean, there might be some 
delay in doing that, but you are the decision maker and you decide when you're ready to move. And that is again, something that has really helped us grow and evolve as an organization. So those are some of the practices then that we put in place that converted this idea that Vishal had of what is the kind of culture he was aspiring for, uh, but we didn't necessarily have you know, the systems for that. How long did it actually take to get the organization back to a steady state? And you know, what was it like for you? Because you clearly came in and you suddenly became this, uh, you know, this this well for for people. And so whether you were absorbing a lot of the negativity, the discontent, but then also offering solace, fixing things, you know, what was that emotional journey for you? At that time, it was definitely stressful, a lot of sleepless nights and all of that. But at a core sense of, you know, when I think back today or when I think about what I was going through, it was an accelerating journey. I really, it moved me and pushed me in ways that I didn't think was possible. Because I did then, and I continue to believe that today, that Vishal is a uniquely gifted person. He has an intuitive sense of what is needed and what is necessary uh, for the future that we imagine. And, you know, and he has, he, he believes that's possible, right? It comes from a deep sense of belief that's possible. Uh, much before maybe many of us have even processed what's going on. So to have him as a mentor and through this journey of helping him articulate and all of that, it grounded me in my transition. Till then, I was just a pre-sales consultant in IBM, one of, you know, two lakh employees in the country literally a cog in the wheel. And suddenly I got this opportunity to test my own boundaries. What am I capable of? What my strengths are? I had never thought I could do organization building. It was not even part of my, you know, remotely close to the pre-sales job I was doing till then. So for me, it became this almost testing phase of how much can I do? What is my capacity? What is the potential? How much I lost out on in the 10 years that I sat, I was in the corporate sector, because this is my strength. My strength is organization building. My strength is holding people, holding space for conflict, you know, working through difficult situations. Uh, and it was almost like discovering my own gifts and discovering, you know, what I could be. Uh, and that journey has continued, I think, for the first, I joined 2010 till for the six, seven years, I think it took us to really stabilize, make this transition. The biggest transition for me through those six, seven years is moving from a Vishal is dream and dream, dream and dream is Vishal kind of thing to actually expanding what dream and dream is way beyond Vishal. We even did a whole rebranding to support that. Uh, well, earlier we just had one logo. That was the brand, right? There was one Vishal and one logo and we put that logo on every stationery and that was the kind of uh, what Dreamer Dream brand stood for. And we got this great uh, branding consultant who made us realize that it was really just a, a synonym for Vishal, that logo. So we changed the logo. We, we did this whole, you know, what is the messaging? What is the work? Uh, so that, you know, along with the people philosophy, building the capacity of the team and changing this narrative of what we had of ourselves and what the world had had of us, from beyond Vishal uh, took about six, seven years. And in that is where I found my passion, my vision, who I want to be, what is my imagined future? 
right? Beyond Vishal, what do I see it? And why did I make this change? And what is my contribution to how I want to impact the lives of young people? So that's when 2016-17 is when we said, maybe it's time for the CEO transition as well. So we started talking about moving, uh, I, moving that is me moving from the CEO role that I was playing then to a more CEO role. Uh, so I'm really, today when I think back, I'm just grateful. Uh, and uh, yeah, just just re- discovering what I can offer has been the big part of this journey. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Vishal, what was it like for you when Sucheta stepped into your role as CEO? 2018 is when Sucheta took over as the CEO of the organization. And uh, the board and Suchita gave me a free hand, saying, if you want to move on from the organization, go ahead. If you want to try other things, new things, go ahead. If you want to stay in the organization, then why don't you find your own role and create your own role? And I did that. I went out and explored, talked to many other entrepreneurs, other organizations, spent a year uh, seeing what else I could do. And interestingly, I came back to Dreamatry and I said, you know, what Sucheta is trying to do, the vision she has for change in the world, it seems to be the most powerful vision out there. Uh, so if there's any leader I want to work with today, it's, it's, it's her. And this was without bias, you know, that we are married and we have this special relationship with each other. Because I really did go out there. So today, almost you know, four years later, uh, I'm glad I made that decision. Because every day... Uh, I see the vision that I had you know, 20 years back come alive. So I had the vision, but I didn't know how to make it come alive. And what's what's amazing about the way Sushita has built the organization, she's built an amazing leadership team. She's broken down hierarchies. We have a much more flatter structure now. And I'm contributing to that vision rather than taking the burden of having to try to achieve that vision myself, which was how I used to operate earlier. So again, that has been, it's been a journey of letting go also of the ego. So what has letting go been like for you? In many parts, very difficult as a process and in many parts, very liberating. What was difficult was to let go of decision-making in many aspects of how the organization has run. What was liberating is that I could now focus decision-making on things that are most important, like strategy, culture, uh, and I could truly let go of operations. Uh, what was difficult was to give away decision-making to other people in the organization. But what was liberating was to learn to trust. Learn to trust my team, learn to, learn, learn to trust Sucheta. Also, having grown up in a deeply patriarchal home environment, I've, I've grown up with messages of me being special and me being the hero as the boy. To now become a part of a team where I'm no longer the hero, but I'm one of many, uh, was very, very difficult to let go. What was difficult was to now sit in team meetings and uh, stay silent and have other voices come in and listen to other ideas. But what was liberating is to realize that there are people out there who have much better ideas than I do. So it was a it was a difficult journey to to, to let go, and uh, I, I feel I'm still in the journey. I'm still learning to let go. There are many other aspects in my personality that I hold on to. But what I have really enjoyed is the liberation of it, 
and uh, I am really now focusing on the larger narrative in the sector about how young people need to be supported to thrive and playing that role and really thriving in that role. So that has been very fascinating. Uh, I mean, these are just some aspects. There's, there's a 10-year journey of uh, fights and struggles and conflicts that Suchit and I have had and other team members have had uh, uh, through this journey. Is there something you would do differently, Vishal? I think many things I wouldn't do differently because I think this was part of my own learning journey as a human being, as an entrepreneur. I needed to experience some failures. Uh, again, you know, having grown up in a household where you're treated uh, special, where you're constantly given messages that you're God's gift to mankind and you're going to do great things in life just, just by what you're being a man. Uh, it was important for me to let go of that message, that narrative. Failing at something that I was so passionate and committed to was important for me to, to then reimagine myself in a whole different way as a different leader. What I would probably do differently is I wish I had more self-awareness along the way with this journey. I wish I could have apologized to the people that I hurt through this process. Even today, I know there are people that I haven't reached out to and said sorry. Uh, for the way I treated them, my colleagues, uh, my co-founders. And I'm very scared to do that. So I wish I could do that. And I, that continues to be one of my life goals. That someday I can find the courage within me to reach out to them and say, hey, I'm sorry. Sorry for the way I treated you. When we made this shift in 2010 to a whole new organization building journey, I did it very drastically. I came back from my break and I said we need to change the culture of the organization. I called the whole team into the room and said we're going to throw out all our policies and processes and we're going to rebuild from today on. Which is very much my style you know, as an entrepreneur then. But looking back, I wish I had more empathy and more mindfulness and understanding of the impact this would have had on people, which it did. Many people were very confused and uh, felt let down and left the organization that uh, I wish I had been a bit more mindful in recognizing the implications of such big changes in the organization uh, on people and people's capacity to accept this kind of massive change so suddenly, rather than again taking people along through this journey, to again come in and say, I'm going on this journey and uh, you choose whether you want to join or not. So I think that, that I would do differently. And lastly, I would say I wish I had resisted less. I know, you know Suchita is aware and the rest of the team is aware, but uh, I resisted. You know, when the new people philosophy was launched, I was the last person to totally take it in because I had the most to lose as an identity. So I wish I'd resisted less and embraced it faster. One thing we're careful about uh, is that uh, you know, the narrative has not shifted from one hero to the next hero. You know, that the narrative is not moving to now Suchita being the hero that today the narrative is uh, truly about the cause, about young people. And that's been a constant journey for us. And whenever we recognize that it's possibly becoming again more person-centric, we step back and try to break it. Yeah, those are some of the things i probably do differently. What about you, Sucheta? What would you do differently? So I'm very aware that the way I the story comes across and the way I say it is of someone who saw themselves and their role as something in the background, right? You're somebody who quietly makes this possible. 
while allowing the hero to take their place in the sun. And so for me, it has been a journey of unpacking that because that is how I perceived myself. Uh, I did perceive, I always saw myself as, you know, nobody will know it was me, but I was there in the background supporting this man. And through this journey, we also, you know, we, we got involved, Vishal and I, we got married in 2013. And through that, while building Dream a Dream and through the marriage of the first few years, uh, that's really how I saw myself. Because that was the narrative I had internalized, the patriarchy I had internalized, that the hero is always the man and the woman is the silent force in between who the world never really knows about. So I, I won't say differently because I think it's a natural evolution, but that is you know, what I feel I must caveat here, that by listening to the story, if it's pulling on your you know, instinct, especially the women, to find the man that you can save and you can rescue and you know, be the quiet, silent force, then to really examine that. Uh, because I didn't at that time. And today I see I see my whole you know, approach to it differently. I think as, as a world itself, we need a very different kind of leadership. We need a non-hero, take everyone along kind of facilitative leadership that comes more naturally to women. Uh, so I'm a big proponent today that can we as women actually take the lead? Can we move, you know, lead from the front, taking everyone along and really being generous with what we have to offer and the style that we can bring in. And it doesn't always have to be to make this man's dreams possible or to make somebody else successful. So I might have taken, you know, even today, I might do many of the steps, maybe the same steps that I did, but I would not perceive myself as in the background, but a unique, equally gifted, visionary and operationally skilled leader who has something to offer. And I would do this more as a partnership, which where, you know, we're kind of moving into today versus a more held back in terms of who I am. There's so much to unpack in both Vishal and Sucheta's accounts of their time at Dream a Dream. Listening to them share their failures and lessons, it struck me how each one of us can perhaps find so many parallels in our own lives, whether it's about compensating for our own insecurities, coping with fatigue and burnout in the workplace, or watching our heroes let us down. What I'm walking away with, and what I'd like to leave you with, is this. One, it takes courage to acknowledge that the one thing you care most about is the thing you're also failing miserably at. And it takes a hell of a lot of courage to talk about it openly. Courage that can only come with doing the hard work of self-reflection and looking inward. Two, trust is a sacred pact. Honoring it stubbornly, even in the face of resistance, can create space for big change. Dream a Dream's path to recovery was embedded in trust, even if it took time for everyone to see that. And finally, identity and leadership are closely linked. Only when we truly meet ourselves, warts and all, can we grow into our full potential as leaders. Failure Files is produced by Shreya Adhikari, Tanaya Jaktiani, and me, Rachita Bora. This podcast is part of a larger initiative at IDR, where alongside 15 partners, we're creating a space for candid conversations around failures and social impact. 
This episode is part of a special series in partnership with the Wellbeing Project, where we look at the intersection of failure and well-being. To read more about failure fires, check us out at idronline.org. Thank you for listening and see you next week.